there you go, trucking along to that song. It's a lovely song. Great album. It is. Um, and we actually have, how's this for a coup? We have Neil Murray on the phone. How are you, Neil? Uh, well, thanks, Jules. Thank you so much for calling the station, and congratulations on the album, Chungu. Thank you very much. It was a long, a long gestation period. It's beautiful. I was listening down in the, on the way down in the car, and it just sounds so smooth. It's got it does. Uh, it's largely uh, thanks to Jim and Jeannie's insistence on a very high-quality production, uh, mixing and, and mastering. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit about... Can you introduce the album to our listeners, please, and just tell us a little bit about Sammy Butcher as well? Obviously, people will... If you don't know who Neil Murray is, um, Neil Murray is one of the founding members of the Warumpi Band, and it, my co-host here today is, is feeling rather nervous that you're on the phone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Royalty is amongst us, for sure. Oh, no. Just love it. Yeah, very well, exciting. Well, for the listeners, uh, Sammy Butcher was also a co-founding member of the Warumpi Band. Um, he came around to see me when I first arrived in Papunya in 1980 and asked me, oh, he said, have you got a guitar? I said, yeah, I've got one. He wanted to have a look at it and I showed him and he could play beautifully. Mm. I thought, gee, we've got a jam. So so that's how it, it sort of all started. And um, in 2013, I went out to see him at Papunya with the view of seeing if we could write some songs together again. And that's this album, Jungle, which means all together, all joined as one sort of thing. Is that the meaning of the word chungu, is it? Yeah, jungle. It's the literature word, uh, Sami's language, which mm. means, you know, joined together, basically. Yeah. How did you get involved in um, Indigenous music and come to be writing in that way? How did you How did you lead, how did you be, sort of begin, I suppose? You, you uh, well, go back earlier, I, I just, I, I grew up in Western Victoria, Japaron country, uh, the area which I've returned to now, by the way. And um, from a small age, I just had a deep, innate love of the land. And when I realised that there were people living here before settlers, that really set in mind a wondering, where are these people gone? And somehow along the way, I got this idea they're all up north. It wasn't until decades later that I reconnected and found people in my own area who were descendants of the original uh, First Nations people. So I went and journeyed uh, in the late 70s ever further into the Northern Territory and I, I really had it in mind that I've got to go and learn from these people, these Indigenous people and I particularly wanted to go to a community where they still had their language and, and law very holding it strongly and so I ended up uh, through a mutual friend, uh, through a friend who was teaching at Papunya I visited there in 79 and then he said there's a job going here on outstations and mm. I said yeah I'm coming and so I ended up starting a job working on the outstations program in 1980, and uh, that's when I met Sammy. I'd only been in the community less than a week. What an experience, he, yeah. He heard that there's this new fella in town with a guitar, and so he'd come around to see me. And uh, So it's his spirit of inclusiveness and in inviting me virtually, because I didn't know anyone, and just inviting me you know, to play, because he could play beautifully. And we had this great energy between us when we played, and um, so kind of the Warrantry Band formed around us. And about six months later, in mid mid nineteen eighty, late yeah, August something, uh, Gr George turned up, uh, and uh, he actually got married to Sammy's sister, mm-hmm. becoming a lead singer. And, yeah. I want to play a couple of tracks from the album. Are you happy for us to pick one out and Absolutely. tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. There's this gorgeous track um, called
called Bush People. Yes. That's track nine. Um, or is there something actually particularly which I would play next and I'd like to finish up with Waiting for Sammy, but um, if there's something you'd like me to play and you'd like to talk about, please... Uh, uh, no, no, no. What have you played already? Have you played something off at all? Uh, we just played um, Pickley, which I was... Pickley, yeah. which I was going to ask you with country, yeah. the meaning of the word, actually. It's a, it's a waterhole, isn't it? Is it yeah, it's the yeah. name of a location, a place yeah. where there's permanent water. Mm. Uh, I think it's called Mount Vaughan Station, Whitefellow terms, but it is Sammy's grandfather's country. It's it's a very important place for him and all his family. Um, and that's the story of what happened there. Uh, obviously, the best spots were taken up by uh, pastoralists, mm. and uh, the TOs were uh, displaced. Uh, and that still don't have, uh, you know, they'd like, obviously, like to get that return that country to them one day, but it. Mm. It's held in private hands at the moment. Mm. Um, so, look, I'm going to play Bush People. There's some yes. um, Indigenous language here as well. Um, yes. If you would like to talk about that, that's fine. But we might have a listen to it first and then we'll have a chat about it. So just uh, stay stay tuned, folks. We're speaking with Neil Murray okay. um, and his new album, Chung, Chungu. Got to get that pronunciation right. I'm still learning. Chungu. Chungu. So the N and the G and the U is a ngu sound. Yeah, it's a ngu sound. English, we don't use it much except to end of words like singer, Sung, yep. single, so it's the NG sound, jingle. Terrific. All right, yeah. well, this is called Bush People. And what was the impetus for writing this one? Uh, well, Sammy kind of drove a lot of these tunes. He said, we've got to write a song about, you know, Bush People. Because hmm. uh, I don't know if people realise, but the most recently arrived people uh, were from the Western Desert. Um, in 1984, one of the last... The last groups walked into a outstation near Kirikora and a, a lot of these people have been coming in since the 60s and 70s and um, they were the last ones to have contact with uh, Western culture and um, so Sammy, it's an important history and local history and he wanted to uh, do a song about that because uh, it's still very, very close. A lot of uh, people uh, have family members who were uh, living in in the bush up until you know in recent decades. So, <coughs> well, I think you've captured yeah. it beautifully, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this. So, we'll be back right after this, folks. This is called Bush okay. People. Living the trouble way 
out on their own Doing fine As they did long ago Here it is And now we are We're gonna go more pain in a bay Mora verorara manangaranka There we go. We've got you back, uh, Neil. Yep. Uh, we're going to play another track. We've got you for another 10 minutes or so, I think, so we can definitely fit in some more music. But you were telling me off air there, um, Neil, that um, Sammy actually suffered a stroke. Yeah, we are in Adelaide. Uh, we arranged some time at McWordley Studio there, which masters in Adelaide. And he was supposed to fly down. And first of all, the Papania Sports thing uh, interrupted that. And then the next time we're going to get him on, uh, he had the first of three strokes, which he was hospitalised for a week, but it left him with an impaired right hand. So effectively, it, it's taken away his uh, virtuosity that he had mm. playing guitar. You know, we sort of uh, wrung our hands and what are we going to do? And then, but he was quite okay. He said, "Look, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing it." You know, and um, 
he ended up doing a lot of these takes playing guitar one-handed, if you can imagine, with his left hand mm. hammering on. There's some resilience for oh, you. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic, yep. You know, uh, and the musicality is... The fluency and the speed may have gone, but the musicality is still there. I think if you've got the right intent and the right sentiment and the right you know, emotion yeah. behind it, it'll come across no matter how you do it. So we're really, we're really surprised with the result. Yes. And, of course, he, was, he did some vocals for the first time ever, uh, speaking some yeah. stuff in language, but also singing a bit. And um, right. that was a coup because he never, ever wanted to... <laughs> before, you know. But, yeah, um, you're either a singer or you're not, aren't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> I said, look, your voice has got so much character. He's got a beautiful voice, yeah. So you were saying, Neil, you were at Mixmasters. Is that with uh, Mick Wordley over yeah, there? Yeah, we did the beds there. And yeah. when Sammy couldn't make it the first session we were there, I said to Jim, let's just go for it. We'll get the beds done. We'll get him on after it, you know. Yeah, that's a great so studio there. Yeah. Yeah, Jim yeah, mm-hmm. produced us. Uh, he's been a great supporter of my music and he's been a friend of Sammy's. And Going back to 86, to the fellow white fellow tour we did with Midnight Hall. Yeah. Oh, and how many instruments did he play on it? Because I think he's... Jim? Yeah. Oh, he can play anything. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> There's quite a, uh, well, quite yeah, a big Bill list there. Bill Hickenberg to do the drums, but yeah. uh, Bill's, I've known for a long time, he's playing the Rome makers with me, but Jim played a lot of bass, a lot of keys, a bit of guitar yeah. and stuff, bits and pieces. Yeah, great result. And I've got to say, the production quality is just second to none. It's, uh, it the surprised sound. me, but Jim really insisted on... He took it all back to the studio in Brookvale, Sydney, and then and then got a good, really good mixing engineer on it, um, mm. uh, Brent Clark, and good mastering. And uh, so the, it's a really good standard, yeah. It really is. And the album, it's for me, when I first listened to it, it was a record that it would it, it sort of sits down with you and has a chat with you if you know what I'm saying. It's it's inclusive. If yes, it's, it's hard very to do- easy listening, and it is that inclusivity thing is part of Sammy's character. He was yeah. always like that, very very generous and wanted to include everyone in his immediate vicinity mm-hmm. in anything that was going on. You know, essentially that's why the Warrabee band happened because if he wasn't like that, he he, he wouldn't have invited me to play with him, sort of thing. You know? mm. We're going to play another track to give listeners a bit more uh, feel of the album. It is, and I think just with your conversation there about the the mastering, it's so such. It really, I think the first thing that hit me was the smoothness of the yeah. entire album. And yeah. if people listen to a whole album, which I'm not sure if people do these days with Spotify and all the online well, I music, do. that's the way you still do them. I like to listen to an album from its start to its finish because you take care with how you order the songs. You do mm. absolutely create a bit of a theme or, or tell a story, you know. Absolutely. Beat Love, do you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Well, this is a, is a love song. I mean, to get a good love song, I think it's very hard because it's the most written about thing in popular songs. But Sammy had this idea of, of, of uh, you know, whatever you'll say, whether I should say I'm sure you can. Wanted, Go ahead. He wanted to write, write a love song to his wife, really. Lovely. And, um, and also when you get to have big grandparents what that means and it just the, the having a life partner it's a it's a song for any couple whether whether they're the same sex or not uh, it, it's that that enduring sort of love that, that commitment that deep friendship and we wanted to articulate that in a way that and the other feature about this song is it's got his niece singing on there um Crystal oh, Butcher. it gives it beautiful Beautiful honey, uh, honey sort of uh, BV. Backing vocals, chorus. yes. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, the, the credit is in writing a song that everybody can relate to. Yes. And I think uh, this is actually one of those. So um, congratulations on this one. Let's have a little listen, folks. 3MDR 97.1 FM. Seasons Greetings is the theme of today's show. And we're chatting with Neil Murray, um, who has produced an album with Sammy Butcher called Chungul. Chungul. I'm getting there. Chungul. Bride with your sweet 
because it's got that bit of a reggae kind of a feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> You've written songs um, like that have been chart top. It's My Island Home. What happens when, as a writer or as someone who listens to music, and as people get it sort of stuck on one song and they just sort of keep asking you for that one? I had an interesting chat with Lizzie Gear, Deborah Conway, and we, she actually asked us to, to stop asking about her older music. She wanted to play the new music. And I, and I think fair enough, too. You know, if, you, if you're moving on, it depends mm. on your individual point of view as to how you still relate to the music that you've created in the past, I suppose, and how you relate to it. But she definitely wanted us to look forward with her music, and that's fine. What's your view on that? As an artist, you're only um, ever interested in what you're doing now. That's how you validate yourself as an artist, by doing new work. So therefore, I am promoting this album, plus my own album, Blood and Longing, which both released this year. And the stuff that I'm writing now, for me personally, is what interests me. I acknowledge songs that I've written in the past, and I also understand that for many people, those old songs that they've grown to love and they, they want to hear them. But the difference with My Island Home is that I never really wrote it for me to sing. I wrote it originally for George to sing. But then, of course, Christine, I knew had a big mainstream hit with it. In more recent times, people have been wanting me to sing it, so I have started uh-huh. to play it, but I don't play it every gig. In some I'm, ways, I'm it's very a... grateful <clears throat> that song um, broke through, but broke through in the mainstream because of Christine Arnold deciding to do it at the time. She had major record company backing, management promotion, all that it was the right vehicle for her at the right time. Nevertheless, it was a big song for the Warrenby band. It was played virtually at every gig we played, so. I find it, it's a definitive song in, in my musical memory because I'd never heard a song like it before. This is going way back and I just fell in love with it straight away. It was on high rotation in my car on the cassette <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> that and, and Black Fella, White Fella, you know, there was, a, there was a live version of that too which was just really stunning. For me, you're talking about old songs... Jules, like for, as a listener, I'm speaking as a listener now, not as, not as a musician, they're just wonderfully bright, cherished memories for me when I've yes. heard those songs for the first time. And they, they've stuck there. Well, <laughs> Black Fella, White Fella really epitomises what the Warrenby band was about. I can't imagine being able to write a song like that again because it was it was a combination of our youth and and also what the elders, what we're hearing from the elders, the message mm. and that. But I'm sure it's going to survive long beyond me. And um, I was recently chuffed to see... Uh, the band Bad Dreams do a version of it. Yes. For the Triple J, like a version, and I think they really nailed it. They I had think Pete they did. Singing on it as well, and 
couple of fellows from Noomawar and doing some language, and I thought it was really great. It gives you such a such a kick to see someone uh, reinterpret it. And That's lovely, make yeah. Make it sound fresh, you know. Lovely. Anyone can sing anyone else's song. You just got to acknowledge, you know, the writer and that. Yeah. Now, quick question before we play the last track. Encouragement for our youth in today's musical world. What have you got to say to them? Well, the reality is uh, 95% of musicians in Australia don't make a living off their art. So you've got to be aware of that. But at the same token, if it's really in you, you'll discover it. And if you've got that urge that feels vital to you, and the medium will find itself in you. And listen to the radio long before TV. We used to have sing-offs, sing-alongs around Yes. The piano, it's my, <laughs> my grandfather singing. And, Gorgeous. And I just I just had a knack for remembering tunes or being able to pick, and pick up on them. And it was a thing, I'd get home from school and I'd grab the guitar and I'd hack away at it for an hour or more, you know, just the energy. And it just seemed really vital to me and kind of felt, it felt, just felt like it chose me somehow, how I can best describe it. Is, is that how you began, singing around the piano? Or did someone uh, thrust yeah, a guitar just, into I your hand at the age of... I a drum kit when I was 10, a small drum kit, didn't even have a pick drum. And I played along with songs on the radio, you know, just the beat. It gave me a strong sense of rhythm. Then when I was about 13, 14, I learned chords for, the, for a guitar. I, I borrowed nylon string guitar and learned how to do the shapes in a fortnight. So I could play the songs of the day. It was by playing other people's longs that you kind of intuit the structure and the, the, the language of popular songs and how they go together. And in 1975, I wrote my first song. I can't even remember it was that bad. But by 78, I had probably half, half a dozen songs or more. But I still really didn't get anything on record until 1983 when we did the co-write with Sammy for Jail and Puckerman, which out from jail was the first commercial pop single ever released in Indigenous language of this continent. So. Look, thank you so much for joining us today. Great sport. That was a very short notice uh, in- request to come on the air today. <laughs> no worries. So, love it. And if you just want to tell us a little bit about the final uh, track on this album, it's called Waiting for Sammy. True to life. I mean, I, I remember a lot of times just sitting around waiting for him to turn up so we could play, you know, or he said, I'll be there. Sounds like a lot of musos I know too. We didn't interfere. I mean, if we were writing songs, he'd come around in the morning or something and give me a bit of an idea, then I wouldn't see him for the rest of the day because he'd have to. He's in demand. He was he's a, a leader and he's on a lot of meetings and stuff and he was involved as a CLC, the vice chairman, and all kinds of things. But anyway, I'd work along the idea of a spark that he gave me and by the afternoon or the evening I'd have a fire going and he'd come back and I'd say this is what I've done what do you think and he'd go yeah that's it number one <laughs> excellent <laughs> excellent so, he, he's always you know give me a, a good spark of inspiration yeah well it's lovely when you've got that camaraderie between the uh, musicians in a band yeah he's got great stories and he keeps everything in his head he's got a terrific memory uh, yeah, yeah wonderful alright well look thank you again for joining us thank you so much for um, the album in fact actually Greg brought that along today so thank you Greg We've really, my pleasure um, Enjoyed listening to this. Mm. All in one, joined together. Been chatting with Neil Murray on 3MDR. Season's greetings to you, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you too. Okay. Thanks, Neil. Cheerio. See Catch up for okay, Ferry. Bye. bye.